I want you to pray with me if you would right now before I start. Lord, I ask that you would help me this morning to communicate this word. And I pray that you would hope that you would cause our hearts and minds to be synced up. Uh, Lord, that we will be open to your word and to your presence and your spirit. And let these words, I pray, find root in our heart. Let them get into our head and get all the way into our heart. And I pray that we'll be receptive to what we're about to hear in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. Amen. I want you to get your Bible. I want you to turn. We're going to be looking at a couple of places today. But the first place I want you to turn to is when you when you get that Bible out. It's First Peter chapter 2. I'm going to be looking at verses 15 and 16. I'm going to be reading those verses this morning from the NIV just because I like the way that it's worded. But I want to attempt to answer a question this morning. What about the fear? I want to attempt to answer that question scripturally um, because I believe our world as a whole is so fearful. I know that in here this morning it will probably be quiet, especially certain times throughout this, what I'm about to say. But I truly hope uh, that, you know, there are some people who um, they, they, they seem to have an inability to stay with something long enough to hear it all the way through. You know how that works? You, do you know anybody? Don't point at them. Do you know anybody, though, that, that you can start a conversation and you're trying to get to here, but before you get there, you say something here and they never get past here? So you got to stay with me this morning. It'd be like algebra class. You got to stay with me here. You won't get to here, but you will maybe start forming opinions before we get there. And I'm just asking the Lord to to give me clarity, help me to communicate. Uh, but I think it's a very, very necessary topic. And in order to lay the foundation of the scripture of where we're going, I'm going to need to say some things that I want you to hear with an open mind. But it's this fear that I'm talking about is not just in our country. People are fearful all over the world. I know that, that you're seeing a lot of things in our country due to the media. You're seeing that a lot of people are afraid for various reasons. But it's not just, a, it's just not our country. It, this, is a, this is a generation of us who are uh, living for many good reasons in fear. And fear brings out the worst in us. And I'm not talking about the kind of fear that... There is a, a, there is a natural, healthy, saving kind of fear that we need to have when we're standing right on the edge of a cliff looking over. That's a good fear. That's not the kind of fear I'm talking about. That's the kind of fear you want to heed, pay attention to. It could save your life. The fear I'm talking about is the kind of fear that comes from the enemy. And it's the kind of fear that will cause mistrust and unrest and division between good people. And it causes responses that would normally never be the action of the one who is afraid. This is the kind of fear I'm talking about today that comes straight from the devil. And it's always been a part of the human experience. It's not anything new. But ever since God put people on this planet... The devil has been using fear as his number one tactic to try to drive division between those people to discourage those people and to destroy those people. It's no different now than it's ever been. And this kind of fear that I'm talking about, it causes certain groups 
because they may be afraid, uh, you don't look like me, you don't think like me, you don't talk like me, you don't sound like me, therefore I'm afraid of you and I will use control to keep my thumb on you so that you can't get in a position to ever get over on me. That's the kind of fear I'm talking about that we need to combat in the church. I, I saw something recently, some of you may have seen it as well, but I, I was watching something the other day about uh, a situation. You know, I said this is a worldwide thing, but I'm not going to name a lot. of. There's a lot of things going on in our world. But just one, one particular thing that caught my attention while I was uh, thinking of this, of this word today is in Peru for the last few years, they've had this, this major upheaval there, uh, a country of... 28 million people who basically live in the towns and the cities. And there's about 400,000 of the Peruvians that live in the Amazons. And the 28 million who live in the cities need the resources from in the, the forests or the jungles. And so the president and the government there for several years had been attempting to persuade businesses to come over there and drill for oil and all these natural resources. Well, what they're doing is they're selling this off and it's providing power for the people in the city, but the ones who live in the forests and the jungles now are living with crude oil all over their, their house, their home. And so they were rejecting this and it caused quite a scene and, it, and unfortunately it, 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 it caused a lot of bloodshed even. Um, And I thought it was interesting, and I want you to hear this. Again, don't close your minds to where we're going. But here is what the government there said about the 400,000 people who were living in the Amazon jungle. It sounded so familiar. They said that those poor people were backwards and uneducated and that they belonged in the 19th century. Sounds like some folks in this country are being accused of, doesn't it? It's no different. That's what I'm trying to say to you is it's, it's no different. Pastor, are you going to talk politics? No, I'm not going to talk politics. But I just want you to understand that it's something that is happening all over the world that the enemy is using tactic to divide and, and, and to destroy the unity of people who were, have not been divided beforehand. And the media needs these stories, so they'll drum them up if they have to. And some of what we're seeing right now are pictures of a very few, a very few people who are curled up in fetal positions, crying at the outcome of a democratically held election. And students who are so distraught that they can't go to school And take tests. And when I saw that, I thought to myself, I wish I'd have thought of that when I was in school. But the problem with that is I would have gotten beaten with the board and sent home for three days to think about it. And so some of what is going on here, please, again, keep your minds open. I'm going somewhere. But what is going on in this country with people who are crying and 
throwing fits and burning flags. And before I go any further, I will say that I, I can tolerate protest and crying and even a little bit of fit throwing, but no flag burning. But some of what is happening is my generation's fault. I want you to hear this. I, I, I pray that the Lord will give you the ability to receive this without being, being angry until we get where we're going. But in making sure that every child in this country who lost a soccer match got a trophy, we have created a situation now that allows people to curl up and cry and quit and throw fits. And I'm not picking on the millennials or young people because I want you to understand something before I go any further. They're much more advanced than their elders in so many ways. And I'm going to tell you something, as a, as a group, the millennials, they're hardworking people. This is not about them. I'm not being mean to anybody or any group of people. They're hardworking, they're caring, they're loving, and they're fair-minded. How can that ever be a bad thing? They want to be involved in a cause. They don't want to just come and watch a church service anymore. But the generation is saying to us, Pastor, we don't want to give to missions. We want to be the missionaries. How can that be a bad thing? So I'm not picking on any generation or group of people. But I believe that the reason that the generation that we live in that is, I will say, younger than I am, that are struggling the way they are, is for something that I say this right now for everybody my age and up. I want you to understand what our children have gone through and why they are where they are at and why they feel the way they feel Again, I'm just saying this, hoping I'm representing them. I don't, they may not agree with this, but why would it be that they have some of the feelings that they have? And I believe that it's because for their whole lives, they've lived under fearful circumstances. We've been in war for a long time in this country. And many of these young people witnessed the Twin Towers going down, being burned and going to the ground as children. Some of them saw that as small children, maybe, maybe in a, in a, I don't know if they saw this in a classroom or not. When I was seven years old, I, I got to see the, uh, here's to tell you how old I am. I got to see the first person on the moon, uh, in first grade and they televised it in my classroom and we all watched that. And it was so cool. And, and I'm, and I've seen some of, some of you guys shaking your head saying, yes, we were in school and they, and they televised the, the towers going now. Let me ask you parents something. How traumatic would that have been for your little kid, five, six, seven years old, to be at school away from their parents witnessing that? We watched it as adults. I, I watched it. I was 38 years old when it happened. I, I watched that happening, and I, even I was like, oh, my lands, what, what is going on? Right? These, these guys that I'm talking about, have witnessed ISIS beheading people and news and media outlets have used every feasible possible way to, to 
promote and show things that our children now have the capability of seeing, even if as parents we didn't allow it. They can still see it by various outlets, media. They have witnessed destruction and devastation that pride and prejudice have caused all over the world, not just here in the United States. And whether you like the current administration or if you like the one that is to come, there is one thing that all Christians must agree on. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent. You have got to agree upon this statement that I'm about to make. And it's this. We as the church of Jesus Christ have the greatest opportunity right now of any generation to share the love of God with all the people on this planet. Because of the technology that exists. And those of you who have been through as many presidential elections as I have realized at this point in your life that no one person, president or not, has the power to even do minutely what they promise in a campaign. So don't panic. I would say this. If you liked President Obama or if you didn't, the last eight years of his administration have not caused God to fall off of his throne in glory. And if Donald Trump's in office for four years or eight years, no matter what he does, it will not cause God to fall off of his throne in glory. The scripture teaches us that God is I am. He was before all things, during, before, and after everything that has, has existed, God is God doesn't change, is not confused, is not afraid. And he's going nowhere. He's still in control. So should we be afraid? Because there's a lot of groups right now. A lot of groups that are, that pardon my English, but they're freaking out because in their minds, the whole world is about to change. And for some of them, they think that means things are going to get so much better. And for others, they think that things are going to get so much worse. But what's really going on? Because presidents and members of Congress are going to come and go. And as citizens of our country, we should prayerfully participate as we did. We should do that every time. But the bottom line is, no matter the outcome of the elections or whatever those might be, here or wherever around the world, God is still in control. So be at ease with that. And having said that, I want to take you to 1 Peter. Now that you know I'm not picking on anybody, I just want to establish for you that there is fear and it's real and there's a reason for it. 1 Peter 2, 15, 16, NIV. I love this verse because I really believe it speaks to this situation in this generation. It says, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. I didn't say that. God did. 
By doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. It goes on to say, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as God's slaves, people who love God. You know what this passage is telling us when it says silence the ignorant? It's talking about, that. that's the word, it means muzzle. Muzzle the ignorance. Wouldn't it be nice if we could find a way to muzzle the ignorance that's causing so much strife and discord? And it says, don't use a cloak to hide evil intentions, but in love, operating out of the freedom of being free, do good and do what's right. So what is this here that Peter is telling every generation that was was his and all of those that would come after him? What's he saying to, to us? He knew that we would experience fear for different reasons due to our, our culture and, and, and society, wherever we lived. He knew that that would happen. But what are we to do? What can we do? There's four things that I, that I want to just, I want to lay out there very briefly for you. Number one, we're talking about what are we going to do about the fear? What about the fear? Number one, here's what about the fear. Number one, acknowledge the fear is real. And in many cases, it's well-founded. It just is. Whether you can relate to what people are afraid of or not, it's real because it's real to them. I know it's quiet. I expected it would be. But I'm saying to us as a church, do not dismiss the fear that people have. Don't be that person that says they all just need to get over it and move on. They can't. Even if to you it, it, may, it, it may seem insignificant to you, but your fears are significant to you that might seem insignificant to someone else. Whatever it is that causes people to be afraid is real. It is real. And it's well-founded. And there's someone behind it. It's not God. So that's the first thing I would ask us as a church to say. Here's what we're going to do as a church, as a family. We're going to acknowledge that the fear is real. We're not going to patronize folks. We're going to acknowledge the fear is real and it's well-founded and and, and we're going to do something else. Number two, we're going to stop arguing about it. Did you know that you would not change someone's mind by winning an argument? All you do is make a new enemy. Pastor, what should we do? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not not going to argue with anybody. I'm going to love everybody. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to struggle. If we go out of here and you set a flag on fire, I'm going to pull my belt off and start whipping you with it. But but on on everything else, I, I just, I'm a patriot. I love this country, whether I agree with everything about it or not. And there's a whole lot of things about all of us that we can't agree with each other on. But one thing we can agree on is it's still the best country in the world. And if I'm going to be here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to live and die for it. Right? But what should we do about the fear? 
And I'm saying to us as a church, it's what I've learned. I'm not telling you to bow out of, of, of your right to express yourself on certain issues. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying when it comes to that, to that point of where you're going to become argumentative with, with, with other brothers and sisters in Christ, let's stop doing that. Let's just be quiet. Let's smile. Let's be positive. Save that energy for something down the road that's going to matter. Don't say things that are going to divide people or make people pick sides. That's not helping helping the body of Christ do what we're here to do. Number three, remember the reason for being here. What is your reason for being on this planet? Whether you are red or yellow or black or white, the scripture says we are all precious in his sight. We're brothers and sisters. We're family. And nowhere in the word does God tell us that he died so that we could be right. He says he died so that we could be saved. It's the thing that we have that is our common denominator. No matter what we look like or where we come from, Jesus loves us. And above every other battle that we could involve ourselves in, let us not lose ourselves in that as the main focus. The bottom line, the reason we are on this planet is to come to know Christ and then use our energy to help everybody else, no matter who they are, come to know him as well. Stop spending time trying to be right and instead put your energy into loving people the way Jesus does. And number four, pursue God's will. You say, well, what is that? Well, this passage tells you what that is. It's an easy one. Here's what he says. It is God's will that we stay busy, what? Doing good. If you commit yourself to doing good, that will keep you busy for the rest of your life. You don't need another cause. You don't have to take up a, a banner anywhere else. But if your life would be about, I am going to utilize the life and the breath God has given me to do good and to show the love of Christ to other people. Wow. No matter what you say, you're probably going to be misconstrued. That's why I stay quiet on a lot of things. You know why? Because whatever I say, somebody will either grab it and champion it to use for their cause in a way that I never meant, or else they'll get angry at me because they think that it doesn't represent what they wanted said. So the best thing for me to do is to use this pulpit for the reason that God gave it to me and to preach his word, not my opinions. And if I will commit my life to telling you what his word says and what God thinks and what God wants, I'll stay busy for the rest of my life. In fact, I don't have time to take up any other cause that is less important. The most important thing I can do is get up here every week and tell you what Jesus says and let you know that he loves you. That's what you need to hear from me.
we have the means right now of communicating the love of Jesus to the whole world in as ways that we've never done before. In fact, right now, as you're sitting here, there are people who are with us in other places. Now, some of them are local, but in some cases we have found that as we are live streaming, we're ministering to people all, over, all around the world. Some places they may be having to have this translated. It's neat, isn't it, that we're joining together with people all over. Well, you see these guys running around with these cameras, and you're like, what are they doing? Well, they're, they're, we're broadcasting this live stream for people to be able to, to hear the gospel and hear the message. Here's my, here's my opinion on this. This is why we're doing this. In a techni- technological age where that internet and other outlets of media are being utilized to sow discord and to spew hatred and anger and venom, which results in mass fear. How much more should we, the church, use that same technology to do good and share the love of Jesus that results in mass unity? If they can use it that way, then let's turn it around and use it this way. Let's do something to unite people. After all, 1 John 4, 18 says, No fear exists where his love is. Rather, perfect love gets rid of fear because fear involves punishment. The person who lives in fear doesn't have perfect love. That's sad. And it's not necessary. It's not necessary for anybody to live in fear. You may not agree with me. You, 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 you may think some of the things I say uh, even cause you to be angry. But I would say to you that I'm not anyone special anyway. It really doesn't matter whether you like me or not. And you don't even have to. I wish you would. I like you. But... If you choose to be angry with me and not like me, that's your prerogative. But don't miss the point of the word of God today. And that is this. God wants his kids to show and share his love. That's what we're here to do. And I'm asking as a church that we would get it in our mind and from our mind to our heart. We would cause it to be our purpose. That we would say we are not going to allow ourselves to get bogged down in the mire of all the distractions that the devil is using right now. He always uses fear to his advantage. But we're aware of his tactics. And we're going to make a choice to love each other. And I want you to hear this. Nothing of the devil that could attempt to divide us can be as strong as the love of Christ that unites us. So what about the fear? Here's the answer. What about the fear? Here's our, here is our answer as a, as a body of Christ. Here's our answer. 1 Peter 2, 15, 16 paraphrased. We choose to do good to silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. What's our response going to be, Church. We gonna get on. We gonna get on there and fight and holler and yell and scream. Or are we gonna choose to do good? Are we gonna choose to love it? You know what I love about our church? 
between our two services here and the one that's over there and the one that happens here on Thursday night and the one that happens here on Monday nights. You can walk in here to any one of these services or these connect groups and and, and literally, and you, I love it, you can see people here. Family and friends are here from all over the world. I told God when I was a young man, God, I want to I want to be a part of a church that looks like heaven. I want to pastor, be a part of a church where that color and race and those things don't exist. It doesn't matter, Lord. I, I, I want to see us here. And, and I thank God we have people here from every race and persuasion. Church, I, I don't want, I want us as a group to get our minds wrapped around what the devil's trying to do and for us to determine we are not going to let the devil come in and divide our family. We're not going to let him come in and divide our family. We're here from all over the world. We all look different, sometimes talk different. But we have a common denominator. Jesus is our Savior. He's our Lord and our God. And we're family and we're not going to let the devil do anything to divide our family can we agree on that on that can there be any debate I've sat back for a long time through a couple of years of watching news and watching things unfolded it breaks my heart It just breaks my heart to see the way that groups of people are treated. But I want the world to know, you and anybody that's watching right now, that if they ever get a chance to come to Trinity Fellowship in Fayetteville, Arkansas, wherever they come from, they're going to be welcomed with open arms and loved and received Guys, I'm telling you, I'm not just talking about races. I'm talking about people that will come here from different religions. People that are coming here living in different lifestyles. Pastor, we have our opinions. I I got my opinions. You can have your opinion. Keep it to yourself. You can have it. Just keep it to yourself. Because I want to show love to people that have the courage to walk in these doors. I want them to know when they get here. This love is unconditional. This place is welcoming. I don't mean to anger anybody, but if a message like this makes you mad... You need some prayer time. What would Jesus say if he were here right now? Man, I I tell you, I can't fill those shoes at all. But I believe he would say something like this. Well, for God so loved the world that he gave me. So that everyone in the world could know me because that was paramount that's above it and beyond it any political or social issue we can have and here's what we're going to do today
prayer time is a little bit different. For all of you introverts, I'm one of you. Prayer times that include big groups of people scare me. Pastor, National Day of Prayer, we want you to come. I'm like, I'll be there. I don't mind. I'm that guy. I was was talking to Brad Klein about this last night. I don't mind a big crowd as long as I'm not in it. If I'm up here looking at it, don't bother me at all. Just don't want to be down in the middle of it, right? And so when I go to these churches and they're like, I want everyone to hold hands. I'm like, no. No, we don't do that at our house. They say, let's all form it. You can always tell the the melancholy extrovert pastor because he always wants everybody to gather in a circle, hold hands, you know, sing kumbaya, pass out candles and cry over one another. I'm like, this is where I leave. I love everybody. I'm going to pray for them over here. Right? So I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. Some of you physically are not going to be able to come up here and join us. And some of you as guests may feel weird about doing that as well. You're like, man, I just, I just, I'm just, you know, if you're a guest like me, you come to church for the first time at a new church, all you're trying to do is hide. Just like, I just want to come in. I'm just going to get in here and then you do your thing and then I'm going to go. So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to run you off. We're not going to do anything weird. But here's just something that the Lord laid on my heart. For any of you that that feel comfortable doing this and will do this, I'm going to ask as many of you, this is just, it's on my heart. I'm not going to manipulate you and we're not going to look bad, look, look at, be looking around at the ones that didn't come forward. I understand some physically can't, some are, it's going to be difficult for some. But any of you that would say, wow, this just, man, this message just strikes a chord in my heart. And I want, I want that, I want to continue to guard that unity that we have in our church. I, I love everybody in our church and I want to pray for God to protect that unity and bind that in an enemy that would try to cause division and discord in our church. We're not going to have it here. The rest of the world may do what they do, but here we're going to love each other. And I want us to, I, I feel like what's going to happen is we're going to come and we're going to pray. And then some of you, God is going to lead you to pray for each other. Another reason why the introvert, introverts are going to try to stay in the back. I don't want anybody dumping oil on my head and all that stuff. Grabbing me and all that. I understand all that. But what I'm saying to you is I want us to come and we're going to pray. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to examine our own individual hearts. And we're going to say, God, if there is any, if there is any prejudice, any pride any bias in me. I pray, oh God, that you would reveal that to me right now and convict me of that and I'm going to repent. That's the first place we're going to start. Any of you that come down here and pray, you need to know what we're going to do. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to pray for each other. And then, if the Lord says to you, go over there and pray with such and such. Or if there's something that you feel like that you need to repent of and apologize for. That's dangerous when you do that. Because some have you ever been to apologize to and you didn't even know you needed it? That happens sometimes. People come and say, Pastor, I just want you to know I forgive you. I'm like, well, thank you. Thank you so much. 
I forgive you for what you said two weeks ago. I haven't forgotten it yet, but I'm like, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I don't have a clue what we're talking about. Thank you so much for forgiving me. Well, I just want you to I want to apologize and ask you to oh, and ask you to forgive me. I'm, well, certainly, I you know, I didn't even know I was mad at you. Yeah, I forgive you. That's that's awesome. Let's just roll. Let's just keep going. How many of y'all? Would join me down here right now, and we're gonna get, We're just gonna fill this front up down here. Is we're gonna stand. We don't have to kneel. We're gonna make room. We're just gonna come down and stand together as a unit to show our Father the unity that we have. Is all I'm trying to do. I want us to come together, and we're gonna pray for one another, and we're gonna examine our heart. If you'll do that during this song, I want you to stand to your feet. And uh, everybody stand if you would so that people can get out. If you don't want to come down, you don't have to. But we stand so that people can get past you. And the rest of you, I'm going to say, let's join together down here. I'm not saying, I'm not asking us to come down here like, it's going to be weird or something. I'm not saying that. I'm just, I just feel like we really need to examine our heart. And then we need to make a commitment to, to our Lord that we are not, we are not going to be the person that allows any of that to happen here. That when we hear, if we ever hear of something like that happening, we're going to say, that's not here. I'm not a part of that. That's not what we do here. We love and include everybody. We tolerate everybody. We love everybody here. Amen? <laughs> that's the big thing is toleration right now. We're going to tolerate. You tolerate me and I'll tolerate you. All right? Come on, let's pray together.